This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. So now Posey ranges away, and Ballinger throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Loveman here, as always, with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. This is episode 76. This was an easy one, Shasky. 76. The Giants have 76 wins right now. Uh, for the record, we are recording this on Tuesday, September 19th at about 1 in the afternoon. Got to release this episode right away so you have time to listen to it before the Giants face the Diamondbacks tonight. Big series in Arizona for the Giants. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, if you're listening to it tomorrow, hopefully the, this episode <laughs> doesn't apply anymore and the Giants will have win number 77. Chasky, speaking of wins the Giants need to get, over the weekend, uh, I, I put out a little thread on Twitter and, and no one ripped me for it, so I clearly wasn't very good. Uh, I said the Giants need to get 84 wins if they want to get that sixth spot uh, in the wild card uh, or in the playoffs, uh, which means they need to go eight and four in these final t- uh, 12. And they got to sweep Arizona. Like, that's basically where they are at right now. If they take one against Arizona, though, they will have the tiebreaker over the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, the Reds, and, yeah, those three teams. And which means that if somehow all four of those teams end up with the exact same record at the end of the year, the Giants would get the sixth spot. So something to look forward to and be excited about if you are still in the whole mode of the giants can make a playoff run it's kind of hard to really feel like they have a run though and i want to talk about this past weekend in colorado shasky because this felt like one of the all-time blown chances the giants have had in terms of of a playoff chase and just falling flat on their face at the worst time in colorado i don't know how much of this weekend's games that you watch but the Giants, they basically needed to take three of four in Colorado this weekend, and they instead they lost three of four and probably should have been swept, if we're being honest. No, they weren't swept, which was a nice win on Sunday, but it, it was a deflating series. Like, there's no other way around it. And, you know, it was, uh, it's hard to face the reality of where they're at currently. And I know that we've been hanging with this playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. And, and I understand that again, I, the whole time I understand the merit and I understand anyone who's excited with the playoffs. I just look big picture and it's like, how can you take a team seriously that's fighting for a playoff spot and loses to that Colorado team? And especially the way that they lost too. So I don't know how much a Friday night's game that you saw. So for me personally, I got a home two hitter, a two hitter with your season on the line. Oh, it, w- it would have been so much funnier, though, too, if things had kind of bounced a different way. So I, I woke up from a nap, like a late nap, 
Um, I, I just conked out for like three, four hours on Friday uh, evening. Woke up in like the seventh inning. I saw the Giants were winning one nothing. Okay, that's cool. But they're winning without a hit in Coors Field, one nothing. Okay, I absolutely have to get the TV on right now because this is going to be the funniest win ever. Getting no hit but winning in Colorado, sign me up for that. <laughs> Instead, Shasky, that Friday night lost, they had an 85% chance to win that game going into the top in the ninth inning. And then, of course, as it always starts, as it usually always does when things fall apart, it started off with a Charlie Blackman at bat, which that guy, he is one of the all-time Giants killers, and I honestly respect him for it. The way that game ended, he gets on, Chris Bryant grounds out, Nolan Jones walks, then El Hurrius Montero singles to uh, Mike Yastrzemski and left. Great throw by Yaz. The throw beats Blackman, but bounces off his leg, skitters away, and the Rockies win on a walk-off that way. Like That felt like one of the worst losses since the Ryan Spielborgs game way back wow. in 2009. Like At first, I was kind of like laughing at how comical that loss was, but then I started thinking about it. It's like, oh, that's one of that. That's going to be a loss. And if the Giants miss the playoffs by a game or two, we're going to be circling that one as being like, that was an all time course field loss right there. And defense played a factor. And, you know, they told me that they were going to improve the defense last year. It was bad. No, it wasn't. They told me they were going to improve the hitting. It hasn't been improved. Like, again, you know, we could pick all the different metrics of how to quantify success or getting better as an organization. They've fallen flat. Poor Logan Webb. That was my thing from Friday night. I mean, this guy, he's living the Matt Cain life all over again. It's like the multiverse. Am I wrong? No, no, it, exactly. He, they are the pointing Spider-Man at each other. Like, yeah, he, he is going to rip his mask off. It's going to be Matt Cain underneath. <laughs> you know, and honestly, he's a better man than me for not blowing his top multiple times. Just in general, frustration. Like, forget at someone, just being frustrated. You know, like... I. I feel for him. I legitimately feel for him. That's about as good of a game as I've seen pitched at Colorado since when? It's been a while since we've had. I mean, what, would it be too dramatic to go back to Barry Zito's shutout in 2012? Like, that's, that's probably going back. Probably go. had, yeah, we probably had better, pretty good pitching performances at Coors Field since then. But here's the thing. Yeah, you so rarely – the Giants' success at Coors Field has been so odd just to begin with. And then you've been getting good pitching performances at Coors Field too lately – and just all that goodwill just seemed to have been extinguished. You got to know Coors Field, no matter what it will giveth, at some point it is going to take, take it away. away. And yeah. there is nothing that should shudder Giants fans more than a four-game series in late September at Coors Field. So it, it was just – this was such a deflating weekend, though. I just – again, I last week the Giants had a really good opportunity to really kind of stack some wins. They had a 10-game stretch with the Rockies, Guardians, and Rockies. And for the most part, they got off to a great start there. They got off to that 5-1 and one start in those first yep. games. They really just needed to, at worst split, best case scenario, take three or four from the Rockies in Colorado, and they would have been in the thick of it going into this Arizona series. But now again, you know, I say that 84 wins is that magic number. Yeah, I go 8-4 and four in these final 12. You know, you got these two in Arizona tonight. You basically have to sweep these because if you don't sweep, if you take only one, then you got to go 7-3 and three against the Dodgers and Padres in the final 10. And – and you're going up against Zach Gallen and uh, Merrill Kelly. Like, think about the juxtaposition between we don't know who's starting for the Giants with the season they've, on the line. They've announced a starter yet, actually, because we, we mentioned on TBD, the show this a starter TBD versus, hey, Zach Gallen, Cy Young Award candidate year in, year out. I do have some good news. Uh, Alex Cobb has been announced as oh. the starter for tonight. And then Logan Webb will go tomorrow against Merrill Kelly. So, 
Giants are going best on best with the rotation here. So they're at least doing that. You know, Gallon and Cobb, they're kind of the only two, you know, normal pitchers they have going in this rotation right now. We'll get to that more in a second. But yeah, it's at the point where you basically have to sweep these two games because you don't know what the Dodgers and Padres are going to be bringing to the table uh, over the next week and a half. The Dodgers, they're locked in with the NL West division title. They're locked into that number two seed. So how much they'll try is is up for debate. Hopefully they just will kind of punt on those games. I think they should. Uh, the Padres, they're struggling this year. They're a, they're a mess of a team. They seem to figure it out, though, when the Giants are on the field. The, the Giants have given themselves basically no margin for error here over these last 12 games. And this is a team that leads the league in errors. And I know that's not quite the same error, but at the same time, I feel like it's kind of representative. Like a team that really cannot afford to make mistakes has shown over and over again that they're not good at avoiding those mistakes. I mean, who's playing great ball right now? Mike, Mike Yastrzemski? <laughs> Your guy, Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, Luis Matos has been pretty good. No, this- you know what? You're right. Matos has been a lot better. He's seen the ball better. A couple multi-hit games. I feel like he's playing good defensively. I, I did not like how much Kruko was ripping him for missing the cut the other night. I, that yeah. bugged me. That does. I mean, and that's the kind of thing, like, I, I – if you want to rip a guy for missing fundamental stuff like that, I get that. But at the same time, and this is kind of an issue I have here down the stretch, and you saw it again with, with Doval a bit on Friday night, and again on Sunday, I'll get to in a second. What's going on with the coaching with this team right now? Like, it's the end of September, and Matos isn't sure where he's supposed to throw the ball. Like, at what point is the coaching staff supposed to be working with these guys and developing these guys? I said last week, Shaz, when we were talking about the rookies, you've kind of thought they've stalled out. I still blame the coaching staff for that. This is a coaching staff. You have, you know, more, there's more coaches on the giant staff than I think there are employees at 95, seven, the game. And yet no one can teach these guys. Hey, make sure you're throwing the ball to this guy in this situation. Hey, Camilla, when there's the ball coming home from left field, make sure you're standing over here and not over there. It's simple things like that. Or it's just like these younger players, you're not coaching them up enough and you're seeing the development stall out. And now you're seeing like, when was the last time we said, thank God for Patrick Bailey. You know, it's been at least a couple I mean, weeks since we've said that. The other day they went with Blake Sable, and I know you got to play certain matchups, but it's like, what are we doing? Like, mm-hmm. I need my defense in there. I need a guy who knows how to man this staff right now. We, we can't be blowing any games. I, Sam, it's, I, it's frustrating. I'm having, I'm having it, a hard time. It, I am. Ha- it, I don't blame you. And a moment that kind of got me on Sunday. So I first off, I, I turn the game on. I watch him build that nine nothing lead. Cool. I'm gonna turn the Niner game on because clearly these guys got this wrapped up. <laughs> I check the Giants score later. It's like why haven't I gotten the final, you know, the, the game over notification yet? Shouldn't it, that be happening? I check the score. They won eleven to ten. Which my first thought is okay, classic course field game. And then I watch that ninth inning. Shasky, they had two outs. They're up eleven to eight. Chris Bryant hits a little dribbler down the first base. The line. dribbler that Com- Camilo Duvall has to make a play on. He does have to make a play on that. It was his 30th pitch of the inning, and Duvall, he just he flubs it. He yes. flubs it. And I worry about Duvall right now. I think he's been vastly, I don't know if vastly. 100% right agree. Word. He's gassed. He is gassed. But that situation, if you're Gabe Kapler, you talk about putting guys in the best position to succeed. Duvall had a chance to end that game. He flubbed it. He's 30 pitches deep. He's pitched a lot already this year. Why aren't you taking him out? I get you want to show faith in him. That is a situation you got to take a guy out on, especially a young guy like Doval, who we know can get rattled sometimes when things really start to get intense. Getting in. He's only 25 years old. The guy's still got a ways to go before he hits kind of the, the upper echelon that I think we all see him hitting at some point. So, I mean, no, like, 
I'm I'm willing to kind of give Doval more of a leash on these kind of mistakes. No, I do I'm not mad at Doval. He's, he's been overused. But at the same time, like Kapler, you got to take him out there. And these are the bullpen decisions that luckily, again, he gives up a double the next at bat. Now it's a one run game. Taylor Rogers has to come in and finish things up. Luckily he did. But that's what it's like. If that game had gone south and the Giants got swept there, I mean, you just nuked your season because you can't give a quick enough quick enough hook there. And that what kind of brings me to my Doval concerns right now, Shasky. And his innings pitched aren't that huge. And since August 1st, he's only thrown 15 innings. But he's really been struggling that time, a 480 ERA in that time. Uh, hitters are hitting 267 off them, which is pretty good, a 349 Babbitt. So a little bit of tough luck here and there. Mm-hmm. But what really concerns me about Camilo Doval is not so much the innings pitched, because I think for the most part the Giants have been pretty good at limiting innings pitched uh, for relievers up until the last three, four weeks. But Doval was kind of an exception in that he was throwing a lot more pitches. So far this season, Shasky, he's 17th in the league in pitches thrown amongst uh, relievers. He's not even in the top 30, though, of relievers innings pitched, though. So while he may not have a ton of innings thrown, comparatively speaking, he's throwing the ball a lot during these innings. And that's kind of the antithesis of what you're seeing with a lot of these other relievers where guys like, you know, Tyler Rogers, he's in the top, you know, uh, tier of innings pitched as among relievers, but he's not one of the league leaders in pitches thrones this year because he's a lot more efficient. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Wouldn't you agree that toward the last month, it feels like he's reverting back to old Camillo where he doesn't trust certain pitches in certain situations and becomes very one pitch dependent and predictable. I would think so. Yeah, it does kind of look like he's getting into that situation. And I think with that, when he ha- when he doesn't have all of his pitches, he starts doubting himself there. Yes, he starts yes. to get a little wild. Call. I talked about that ninth inning on Sunday. You know, he gave up that dribbler to, to Bryant that he reached. He should have been taken out. A few batters earlier, he clonked a guy on the side of the head. I know. Just hit him. He's just showing all sorts of these, like, red flags right now. And it's like, this is one of the few good things you have going for your, t- for your team That's right now point. or your future. And you're just driving him into the ground. Another guy who I'm really kind of concerned about is Ryan Walker. Uh, it seems like every time he's coming out right now to the mound, something bad is happening. This is a guy who's thrown a lot more innings than he's ever thrown in his career. He's doing it in weird roles that he's never really done ever. And, and hasn't embraced since day one. I I, I think yes and no. He, he was against the opener at first. I think when he started doing well at it, um, he kind of talked about this when he came on the pod. He kind of started to embrace a little bit more. The yeah, I, Ryan Walker is that. He's a rookie, and this is something he said. I'm a rookie. I kind of don't really have much much choice to argue with these things. And and God bless him. The dude, he's got that uh, the, the spirit that you want in a Giants player. He he embraced the role as best as he could. I truly see Ryan Walker as being a seventh or eighth inning guy someday. Okay. He's got, I think, good stuff and great deception with that crossfire delivery. Stop using him in the beginning and middle of the games. Yeah, He's, he's another guy where it's just – the numbers aren't as bad. He's got a he's got a 429 Babbitt since August 1st. So he's been kind of screwed by some bad luck as well. But at the same time, like put him in a role that's better set for him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I the hear rest you. of the year and going into next year. You're just you're putting him in a bad situation. So all this comes down to is that you got a team that's fighting still for a playoff spot, could still make the playoffs. And you got fans wondering whether or not you should make the playoffs or not, Shasky. I'll be in this. I really want the Giants to still make the playoffs, not just because I'm a fan and I want to see my team succeed, which I do do, contrary to popular belief. I do do. I do do. (laughs) Um, 
But no, the reason I want to see the Giants make the playoffs is I really want to make a mockery of that sixth spot of the in the in the MLB playoffs. I really don't like the fact they expanded the playoffs like they did. It felt like a cheap money grab, and I feel like the Giants getting that sixth spot and maybe they even win a playoff series would just be like, you see, this is why you don't expand the playoffs just for a cheap money grab. Interesting. I, look, we can have a bigger philosophical Major League Baseball conversation about diluting for that last playoff spot. Just to me, my overall, if we're going to have a bigger MLB conversation and the Giants are wrapped in there for about a month and a half. We feel like we're all face planting to the French line, right? Yeah. Like baseball's divisions have been pretty wrapped up. Is there any division in baseball that's up for grabs right now? AL West has three teams within a game of each other. The Mariners, Astros and Rangers there. That could be Which a would have been the same way. Had we ended the season on August 31st, correct? Pretty close. It'll be interesting. I mean, that's going to be a fun one to see down. Would you agree with football and everything going on right now? Does feel like this last month of giant of, of baseball, it gets kind of lost in the shuffle. I mean, that's true. I mean, that's, I always remember back in 2010, reading an article about how, you know, major league baseball season's over, you know, uh, Yankees, I guess, are the world series champions because football's starting. That's, this isn't just a now thing. 13 years ago, people had this, well, football's here. Baseball's irrelevant attitude. I mean, the thing is, if the only solution there is less MLB games and the entire league has just walked out of the room the minute you just said that. No, no, right. no. Apparently from David Sampson, who does this for a living, the only team that was fighting against this for many, many years was the San Francisco Giants. Why? Because of their huge season ticket fan base. I'd love to get him on the podcast during the offseason to really talk about these kinds of shot, things. Actually, yeah, he would kind of be fun to get in there, too. So I think we can do a really good show with him. That would be good. Actually, I'll, I'll get on that. Doing some on-air producing right there. Yeah, sorry. So I just as I pound my glove. No, they are they are face planning at the end, and it does feel like it's so hard to like. I, I think there's some argument to be made that like, why do you want to see this team make the playoffs so they're just going to get swept out of it? Again, this is where the whole "well, anything could happen" thing really pops up in baseball, and. Shasky, it's not unrealistic to really kind of dream that way. If the Giants sneak in, they would be going to Milwaukee. They wouldn't three or four in Milwaukee mm-hmm. when they went there earlier this year. They were five and two against the Brewers this season. They've done pretty well against the Brewers the last couple of years. It's not that hard to imagine, you know, Logan Webb, Alex Cobb going out those first two games, and then maybe they bullpen that third game. And then you got a division series that'll be against the Dodgers, a Dodgers team that's kind of scuffling right now and will be coming off a five day layoff. Shasky, did you know that? In the history of the wild card era, uh, 16 teams have had at least five days off during the playoffs. Wow. Uh, those teams are seven and nine in the next uh, in the ensuing playoff series. Since 2005, 11 teams have had that five day layoff. Those two teams are two and nine in those ensuing really? playoff series. Bye weeks in baseball do not work. All right, which is another reason why I don't understand why they expanded the playoffs like they did to include the bye week. When again, you're going to put players on ice before the most important games of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Will Clark what that was like. Remember when he had to sit on yes. ice for 10 days in the 89 Worlds, you know, before the 89 World Series? Or ask Justin Verlander about the 2012 World Series. Yes. You know, all-time teams with long layoffs in the playoffs, where a team went, sorry, all-time when a team faces another team that had, you know, more days off than the other, the team with more days off went 42 and 46 in those playoff series. That's a 436 winning percentage. Last year, you had the Braves and Dodgers 200-win team teams they got knocked out in the national league division series uh the astros barely got by and so did the yankees 
And those were all, you know, teams that had the buys. So if the Giants could sneak through that first round, maybe they get a cold Dodgers team. You start to see how this can maybe kind of snowball into a weird playoff run. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen though. Cause I just <laughs> <laughs> I'm all excited about it by the same. It's just, it starts with these two games in Arizona. It really does. You're putting, you got Cobb, you got Webb, you got as good of a chance as you could possibly get to go into this weekend against the Dodgers in as good of a situation as you can. It's on the giants to execute. And at the end of the day, this is basically a long winded way of saying that through all these struggles, through all this face planning, somehow yeah. the giants still control their own destiny. They do. They do. Which is, Almost miraculous. Yeah. I mean, it's almost miraculous, but unlikely. Where, where do you fall down on all the, you know, you got to make the playoffs for it to be a successful season. We've seen minor bits of success, but overall I'm left very disappointed. Like even if they make the playoffs, let's say they lose in a three game series, you know, uh, you lose two games, you're done. Boom. Season's over. Is that success? No. And this is where I get, I kind of rail against the diluting of the playoffs because it does kind of make making the playoffs a little bit less important, right? I think I'll always remember the, the thing that's kind of popping in my head. I remember when I was back covering the Sharks um, after their uh, their Stanley Cup run. Uh, it was like March. They clinched the playoff spot. I'm in the locker room after the game, and I asked Martin Jones, who's the goalie at the time, hey, you guys clinched the playoff spot tonight. How do you feel about that? He's like, oh, I didn't even realize it. Thanks for letting me know. Because in hockey, like half the league makes the playoffs, so you don't <laughs> care. Like you have so many teams making the playoffs now that you get the 60, you don't like – whoop de doo you're in. It's like, it's like if you're in the play-in tournament in the NBA. Yeah, you're in, but what's that really doing for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it puts the Giants in a really unfair position because this is a team that, for all intents and purposes, should be focusing on playing their young players right yeah. now and getting those guys more at-bats before going in the next season. But instead, they're kind of you know almost conscripted into this playoff chase that they really should not be in because Major League Baseball expanded the field. And so they're trying to get this playoff spot that, competitively speaking, you have to want to go for, even though it might not be in their best interest. It's a weird situation. It really that's, that's, is. That's true. I think you're spot on on that. I, I, I don't know, man. I've had a really tough time this year. I, I just, I, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer. It's just been very difficult for me, you know, trying to follow this team. And I feel very conflicted on so many fronts. I want them to be a special, great organization. And they just feel so far away. And yet at the same time, I also want to grasp at any kind of team success because I don't want to be some hater of my team. I love my team. I want them to go to the playoffs. Like these are few and far between. They went to the playoffs three times when they won the World Series, the one time in 2016 when they lost, two times in the early 2000s, if you will, and then in 2000, three times, I guess. Like less than 10 times in 25 years. So for me to sit here and like scoff at the playoffs – feels like I'm being spoiled. You know what I mean? It, Yeah, I agree with you there. And it, it should be like, and this is where my frustration comes in with kind of with the higher ups is that if they can make the playoffs this year and they'll champion it as, as a success, but then they'll miss the playoffs next year. But it's like, well, hey, we made it in 2023. Yeah. The expectation should not be, well, hey, we made the playoffs at one time. Chess, you said what, 10 times in the last however many years? Give or take. So you got you've got the four times during Bochi's run, the fifth time when they made it in 2021, and then 2000, 2002, and 2003. And 97. So in my lifetime, that's what, nine, 10 times they've been to the and playoffs? Then 98 was a one game playoff. Yeah. The Dodgers have done that 10 of the last 11 years. And we're talking about how, oh, 10 times in the last 30 years, they've yeah. done great. Like, really yeah, easy no, to get a good counter. Like, 
things need to change. But but, but let me play the devil's advocate to the Dodgers thing. And I'm yeah. not I'm not here to like like that's our rival. And I get it. We measure ourselves up to them. How many times have the Rockies, Padres, and Diamondbacks made the playoffs in the last 25 years? If I added them all up, I think the Giants have done it more than all three of those teams combined. I except the thing is, if you look at the NLS hierarchy right now, like, like the Dodgers are up here. Yeah. And then those three teams are down here. If I were to this hand is the Giants. Am I more yeah. up here or am I more down here? Like which You're which probably part of the closer, am I closer to? But you do have three titles. So like I'm very do you see what I'm saying? I'm so You're, conflicted. I am too, but again, it's the way you unconflict yourself is that this regime did not win these championships. That's so they, true. they don't get the goodwill that comes with it. That's, I think no, that's, that's a good way of putting it, Sam. So, um, you are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Loveman, Joe Shassi coming at you every week, whether the Giants are good or bad. Make sure you're listening, reviewing, subscribing, sharing, telling other people about it. All part of the Odyssey Sports Network here at 95.7 The Game. Again, I think it, it, it's very easy right now to complain about kind of where things are at with the Giants. You go on Twitter, it's all over the place. You go on Giants Reddit, you see it there. Everyone's complaining about the Giants right now. I think it takes a real OG, though, to not just complain, but to also come up with solutions. You know, and that's what I want to do here. I'm tired of complaining about this team, Shasky. I want to come up with ways that how can the Giants actually get better? Because, frankly, the way the Giants are operating right now, it, 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 it's a no-go. It does not work. Tom Verducci actually just came out with an article in Sports Illustrated uh, today, really just tearing into the Giants being – basically the article was, if this is the future of baseball, I want no part of it. Pointing out what the Giants are doing and saying that it's just this is not a fun brand of baseball. One number that he brought up – he brought up a bunch of numbers. I'll get into those in a second. And one I want to get off right off the rip. Since 2016, Shasky, the Giants have lost 26% of their paying attendance. Wow. Since 2016. And this isn't – just under Farhan. This is a slide that started under Brian Sabian and Bobby Evans. Now, this isn't a way to throw them under the bus, but it is a way to point out that Farhan was brought in to change things. And yet he's continuing trends that got Brian Sabian and Bobby Evans to be shown the door, which begs the question, where is this change happening? Yes, the farm system's better. Yes, guys like Bailey, Matos, Luciano, Webb, and their development, their drafting, those are positives, and those are legitimate wins that this that this uh, current front office absolutely has the right to champion and say, hey, look, we did this. I'm not taking away from that. But at the same time, it's not enough. Things need to change. So, Shasky, I want to give you the floor here first. What is something that you want to see change with this organization, the rules, you can't say the manager, you can't say the general manager, you can't say the president of baseball operations, you can't say the owners, and you can't say the presence of Ross Stripling, because those are all going to be coming back next year. After that, anything can be changed for next year. What do you got? Go. I'm changing out the GM. Like, that's what I'm doing. Well, I said that was one of the things you couldn't change. but I know, never- but that's what I want to do. You know what I'd <laughs> like to see them do? And I know everybody's dying to see all these young players. I'd like to see them make a mega play for Juan Soto. That's what I would like to see them do. And I'm using him as an example. I, I'm sure we could make a list of other people on a short list that we would like to trade for. I'd like to see them start by trading for someone under team contract, even though he's only got one year after this uh, under team deal, Juan Soto. Get someone in here and have a $500, $400 million check ready to go for them. I mean, if you put him in the outfield for the next decade, is anyone complaining? Probably not. I think that's a good, you, you bring up a good point there. Because- I'd like to see them gut a little bit of their farm and be bold and just do something that shows me you've got cojones. I like that. And I think there's something to be said about that too, because 
you you you've brought up the whole the, the merit between you know trying to compete while rebuilding and the, the nobility behind it i i like that the giants try to compete and rebuild partially because it's what brian sabian uh tried to do from 2005 to 2008 when the giants kind of went through not a major rebuild but they went through a solid rebuild during that time they were a 70 win team basically uh each year during those for that four-year run and there's a lot of discontent over Brian Sabian over that time. I wanted Sabian gone during that time because it just it felt like there was no vision forward, even though there was. I was just too young and naive to see it. But part of the reason why you were able to kind of make that run not be so awful is because you had attractions. In yeah. 2005, 2006, and 2007, Barry Bonds was still very much an attraction. Whether it's, I mean, A, he's Barry Bonds, but B, this is a 71 team, but you're looking, you're, you're, you're doing a home run chase. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the whole concept of competing while rebuilding becomes a lot easier to sell when you have an attraction in that lineup to where it's like, and I know this is not rocket science. I'm not saying anything new here. There's a lot of no duh here, but yeah, if you had a guy like a Juan Soto in that lineup, I think it's a lot easier to stomach these mediocre seasons because it's exciting to watch on a day-to-day basis. Logan Webb is very fun to watch on the days that he pitches. Camilo Duval is very fun to watch on those opportunities when he does come out to pitch. But you need a bat in that lineup, and Patrick Bailey is probably two, three years away from getting there at the earliest. Um, I like you said Are the Soto, Braves I, the Braves without Acuna? Even with you know all the other guys in the lineup, and they're Acuna, incredible. They're Acuna loaded. Is, yeah, but are they the same? No, they're not. It's like the Dodgers are not the same. If you take you know Mookie Betts away at this yes. point, the Dodgers are not the same. Uh, the Mariners are in no way, shape, or form they, the Mariners. If you take but away, that's what I want to see them do. I think they need to just stomach it. And even if those prospects end up being great, who cares? You need to fast track and get someone in your stadium because this fan base will not get sold over by this ownership group and this front office without getting a dude. They need yeah. one dude. Start there. Yeah. I like you said once, so to a name that I brought up in the past is Luis Robert over in at the Chicago White Sox. Okay. 36, 37 home runs right now. He would be far and away the best hitter in this. I agree. Right He's 25 years old. He's I got love that. Four years control left. I like that. The White Sox are going nowhere fast. Yeah. No way he enjoys being there. I mean, the, I like the that. Sucks there. Why not? You know, and I'm going to give Farhan credit. I think he could swing a deal like that without giving up all the pro. Like he could probably swing a deal like that for a Luis Robert or a Juan Soto. And at the end, we'll be like, oh, well, hey, Kyle Harrison's still here. I'm okay with that. Or all right, he didn't give up Luis yeah. Matos. I'm very happy. You know, like I do believe that Farhan has negotiating chops. In that sense, I mean, this is the guy who unloaded an entire Mark Melanson contract and got Tristan Beck back in return. Like, I, I, I talk about deal that deal a lot because that was in 2019 when he had no leverage and he still pulled that off. Give me that Farhan. Another change I want to see is what the hell is going on with this team and fatigue? Uh, Taylor Worth wrote a really great article for uh, NBC Sports Bay Area over the weekend to talk about how the Giants just look lifeless right now. I think you are seeing like the pitching staff is starting to run on fumes again. The hitters are running on fumes again. And if this all sounds familiar, it's because we were having the same conversation at the end of the first half when guys were gassed. And I asked Gabe Kapler on the last day of the first half. How could they be gassed when they're all playing every other day? I don't understand. I don't think they're even playing that much more than any other team. 
Like that's what's they've weird. They've got that's one like, guy who's on pace for 130 games, JD Davis. Exactly. Just how are they tired? It makes no sense. What is going on with your condition, your nutrition? What is going on behind it. the scenes? This is something that you knew you had to deal I with. I asked Gabe Kapler about this at the end of the first half last year. And this is again when the Rockies were in town on that last Sunday, the first half. This is what he had to say. Our team is like all the other teams in, in baseball. So we don't have any like specific formula to to keep guys fresh, healthy, and not get tired. It's 162 games. Players are going to get tired. I think the goal is to limit as much of that as possible, and that's by getting guys as many off days as possible when we can, getting them off their feet in pregame work, if possible, if there's too much pregame work going on. It's striking the right balance between staying sharp and durable and also, like, backing off when necessary so it's not that dissimilar to weight training or sprints right if you're if you're training training with weights you have to get the right amount of training so that your muscles can build themselves back up and and grow but you can't overdo it if you overdo it then they're just constantly in this broken down state and you're trying to find the right balance it would be true for running sprints as well you guys are going out and and running eight to ten sprints a day they're never going to have a chance to recover but if it's six one day eight the next an off day six again maybe climbing to nine and then backing off for a couple of days there's this progression that takes place and baseball is not an event that you can control as perfectly as those two two other things but we think about it in a similar fashion the right amount of training and the right amount of rest in as good a balance as we can come up with so you clearly understand the concept of how to keep guys fresh and yet here we are wondering if you actually are able to keep guys fresh. It's just like, come on, you guys. Like, th- this cannot be the problems that we're running into. It's like it's small things like this that this coaching staff is supposed to know how to handle, and they're not handling it. Another thing that's really concerning me is the communication right now. You have all these coaches, and yet you got guys like Chamanaya. I don't know what my role is. Ryan Walker, I just kind of do at some point what they tell me to do. Ross Stripling, am I on the IL or am I not? When am I going to start? When am I not? I mean, these are like kind of small miscommunications in a vacuum, but for a a coaching staff that really values communication, put so much emphasis on communication. I remember at the end of last year, I asked Gabe Kapler, what's the thing you really want to focus on going into this offseason? He says, we really want to make sure we're really in communication with our players because we value communication that much. Yeah. And now we're talking about massive communication breakdowns with these players, and that's what's leading to the frustration. Like, something needs to change is actually be as good at communicating as you say you are. Well, I, I, I have a hard time quantifying if they're good or if they're not, or if these are just select individuals who are going rogue and they would have been problems because they're underperforming. Like it's, it's really tough for me to gauge this, but Sam, where there's smoke, there's fire. That's Mm -hmm. usually how I operate. And there tends to be a lot of chatter, like a lot of chatter, like what's gone great for them. I, everyone keeps, oh, they played so many rookies. Okay, Bailey's I mean, good. not really working out anymore. I mean, the well, rookies were, I think, a legitimate bright spot. Until yeah, but like Blake Sable's not, like to me, okay, great example. Blake Sable's not a normal rookie. He is a rule five guy that you lose if you drop, right? I'm sure if they if he had to stay on the roster, okay, uh, or had not had the rule five thing where he has to stay on the roster, he would have been sent back down too. Mm-hmm. He's got mediocre numbers. They're fine. I'm not here to rip them. Like, but to act like he's on the same level of other Corbin Carroll's a rookie. Are they are they ju- are they judged the same? Corbin Carroll yeah. is having a monster season. And I and I get it. There's levels to this, but like, what are we talking about? Like, is Blake Sable even gonna be on this team in a year from now? I it, 
I mean, here's the thing. Here's another question. Like if, that's the way I view rookies. If they let Blake Sable go, is it what are the odds that they could let Blake Sable go and he would clear waivers and be able to go I don't to know. play? I, I don't know. I mean, can you unequivocally say right now, if you let Blake Sable go, he will get picked up? Like, I don't think you can unequivocally say yes to that. I mean, so look at their lineup. Mitch Hanniger. It's an entire lineup. Mitch Hanniger, J.D. Davis, Mike Yastrzemski, all guys that real legitimate playoff teams that are division winners say, I like that guy coming off my bench. Probably. Yeah, I think maybe Hanniger could probably crack the lineup for, I don't know, the, the Reds on a day when Will Benson's, you know, on the IL. But the Reds are playing real rookies every day. They really are, and they're fun when they're doing it as well. It, it just they look like and the they've ru- and they allowed Ellie De La Cruz to go up and down. They said we're just we're here for the Ellie De La Cruz movement. Yeah, and there was like, yeah, why can't we create a movement? Like there was a moment where I felt like, yeah, let's get the Patrick Bailey movement going. And I guess for a while, yeah, Patrick Bailey, he really was that guy that was jazzing fans up. Yes. On the one hand, it's hard with a catcher; you got to really manage his workload. Kaplers came on the show and he talked about how you know if Patrick if Patrick Bailey's sitting, it's not because we want to bench him; it's because we need to rest him and keep him fresh. I can respect that. But that is kind of a, 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 a hole the Giants are kind of playing in there. So, yes. But at the same time, still, let's jazz up Patrick Bailey. This is an organization that literally had Buster Posey as his franchise face for a decade. So, yeah, show me something there. Um, another thing I like to see change is I want I just the, the pitching usage. The usage of the starting pitchers has to be different. For a team that has done so well with starting pitching the last couple of years, I'll write this year off as like, okay, things broke down and didn't work out the way they wanted to. But like, you got to get more length. I mentioned the Tom Verducci article. Uh, he brought up some uh, couple interesting pitching nuggets. Chasky, on average, starting pitchers have averaged 72 pitches per start. That is okay. the worst in baseball. Uh, 43 times a starting pitcher has gone three innings or less. The next team has 30 such outings. You know, they're, they're approaching, so the record for such starts the rays in 18 and 19 i think they had 73 and 51 such outings like that's the 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 area the giants are approaching right now the giants pitching staff their record ready for this one their starting pitching record is 27 and 45 said, 27 and 45. how that would be the hands down worst record for a starting rotation to make the playoffs. The franchise worst, like the worst starting rotation win-loss record in Giants 160-year franchise history, 36 and 63 back in 1984. They are worse than the early 80s Giants in that regard. You never they lost like early 80s Giants. In that regard. 90 games in 84? 100 yeah, games. They lost 100 the next year. Um this is the third time in 6 years the Giants have only had one starting pitcher qualify for the ERA title. Granted, Logan Webb doing it with a bang by leading the league in ERA or not ERA in uh, innings pitched. And for the record, if Logan Webb was on literally any other team, he'd be a 15 to 20 game winner. He would be getting legitimate Cy Young. He's going to get Cy Young votes this year. Uh, He's probably not going to get any first place votes. He might crack the top five. He's going to get Cy Young votes this year, and he will absolutely have earned them. Um, That's right there. Uh, Hitting wise. The Giants have used 13 players in the three spot. So that's another thing I want. Can I get some consistent lineups here? Like, I need the same guy hitting the same spot every day. Look at the Dodgers lineup. You know who's hitting one, two, three every day. Nobody's good enough. Like, they're just good enough to be two out of five day players, three Mm -hmm. out of five day players. You know what I mean? You were talking about Manaya the other day in the group thread. You're like, he's just not good enough to be a starter. I could say that about every guy on the roster outside of like two or three. 
I mean, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I still like to believe there's a starting pitcher buried deep within Ross Stripling. I definitely do not see it within Shamanaya. Here's the thing with Shamanaya that I want to see change because I say you can't change Ross Stripling. You can change Shamanaya, though. What I want to see is give Shamanaya starts here at the end of the year. Hope he pitches well enough to where you can be like, hey, if you come back next year, you're not going to be a starter. So you should exercise that opt out. That's what I'm doing. If I'm the Giants, I'm saying flat out because he said on, he's been on the record saying I want to be a starter. Yeah, because he wants Giants, his money. If I'm the Giants, I'm saying you will not start here. So do you want your 15 million or do you want to start oh, and let him Look, wrestle? Sam, we've got 12 him. games left. 12 games left. Huge series against Arizona. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, they'll probably split these two. And when that happens, then you're playing for pride after that. I think you have to sweep this series in Arizona if you want any shot of making the playoffs. Not sweep this series, you're back in the chase. It's sweep this series, and you can still live the fight another day this weekend when you go to L.A. I think that's where you're at right now. God. I got two things before I get out of here. Yeah. One is one last thing they need to change. Uh, Shasta, you've you've made it to games this year, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You know the song they play before, you know, everyone comes out in the field? Mm-hmm. You know, they go, damn, yeah. damn. Yeah, it's a little Uzi Vert song called Just Wanna Rock. Yeah, I'm over it. Song, please. One, it's stupid. And then two, you know who uses that song when they take the field? Besides the, the freaking Philadelphia Eagles. Are we for real, Giants? Come on now. We're using the same song as the freaking Eagles. Like, show me you have no awareness of your fan base without showing me you have no awareness of your fan base. Point. Come on now. So... That's where we're at right now. Shasky, my last question. This is something that our digital uh, manager, Whitley Sandretto, wanted me to ask you. How often are you thinking about the Roman Empire these days? I, I mean, I'm, why? Just, just, just curious. I, I, I would think about it from time to time. I actually love history. Why? What, 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 where are we going with this? Oh, no, it's just something that, that Whitley, our, our social media queen, wanted me to ask you. So I had to get that across there. We've been asking well, everybody that. I mean, so. the, the Roman Empire, you know, I mean... Rome wasn't built in a day. What would you like to know? They specialized in aqueducts and arches. I heard they were they were very big on analytics, but not so much on platooning back in those the early Roman Empire days. I know that they were very big on astronomy and other things, and they stole ideas and concepts from other people. The Roman Empire was also one of the originators of the sausage because they would take animals from all the different corners of their empire to show how vast their region was, and they would mash it up and put it into lamb and sheepskin casings, uh, sheep casings, and the more exotic the sausage, the more powerful you were as a king. Interesting, coming right? A, coming from a true sausage guy. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, this has been episode 76 of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Love Finishing you, buddy. very strong. Just Go like Giants! Sunday. We'll see what the Giants do this week. Until then, we will catch you on the next one. Go Giants! <laughs>